He was an investigator, and a big part of his job was focusing on investigations of police officers' use of force. He's here to talk about a couple investigations, the reality of what happens, and how it drives what he does today. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. We're all over social media. Be sure to like and follow our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. We're on Twitter. Follow us at LET Radio Show Podcast. And on Instagram, look for LET Radio Show Podcast. Of course, don't forget our website, letradioshow.com. And if you're on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app, be sure to look for me and follow me. My name's John, the letter J, Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y. You can also search for at L-E-T Radio Show. Connecting to us from the great state of Georgia, we have Douglas Parker on the phone. Douglas is a retired Georgia Bureau of Investigation investigator, also known as GBI. We'll explain what they do in a few moments. He is also one of the movers and shakers of 7-8 Tech, and they have some new products, one of which is called Thin Blue Defend. Get more information on their website, thinbluedefend.com. First, Douglas, thank you for your service. Secondly, thanks for being a guest on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Very much appreciated. Well, again, appreciated here also. I thank you very much for having me and uh, being able to get this out to the officers out there. You did uh, 30, 30 years as an investigator for GBI. Am I correct? Yes, sir. That's correct. Well, that's that's a long time in any field. But what, what GBI does, and I'm going to paraphrase, there's only a few states I know of that do that have groups like that. Georgia's one, Georgia Bureau of Investigation, SLED, South South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, I believe, uh, Florida Department of Law Enforcement, FDLE. And the, ba- the best way I describe it is kind of like a state's example of what the FBI does, but for state jurisdictions and a little bit more stuff than FBI covers. Am I correct? Yes, sir. We're a requested agency, so local departments will call us to come in and assist them in any type of investigation. So you guys handle pretty much everything uh, when it came to, like, we're going to talk about police use of force, those investigations. That could be deadly force shootings. That could be hands-on force. It could also be corruption. It could be almost anything. Am I correct? Yes, sir. That's correct. Any type of crime that uh, they would like some assistance on, we would we would be requested and go out and, and assist them. A lot of people don't realize that GBI does what it does. And they also don't have an idea of how big that agency is, about how many officers or investigators do they have. I think when I retired about 10 years ago, it was about uh, 275, maybe even 300 agents. 300 agents sounds like a lot, but it's not a lot for a state the size of Georgia. Well, 159 counties, so yes, sir. You break that up, and it uh, comes thin real quick. It's a little bit, little bit more than one agent per per county, right? And uh, we were had regional offices, so we in our area outside of Augusta, 
Georgia here, we'd, we cover 10 different counties. By the way, I've been to Augusta one time, and I keep telling my wife, I call her the boss, what a gorgeous area of the country that is, and such phenomenally nice people. Uh, especially during the tournament week. Yeah, especially during. <laughs> See, I'm not big into golf, and uh, people who do, I got a lot of friends who are, are retired law enforcement in Augusta, and in La- they're all golf fanatics. Not me. I was uh, I was a part time golfer. Gotcha, gotcha. I'm not going to ask you about how your game was or is if you still play. <laughs> no, please don't. Yeah. All I know is this. People ask me, do I play golf? I said, no, I, I used to ride motorcycles. And I prefer to ride a Harley around the golf course. That's what I'd rather do. Or, better yet, take a walk through the woods and not ruin it with a set of clubs in my hand. That's what I wanted to do. Sounds much better. Yeah, it's a lot less frustrating. One of the things, and you know, the news media, and I say this tongue-in-cheek, God bless them. For a long time, we relied in law, as law enforcement officers for them to tell our stories. And they've done, always done a horrible job. Always. Uh, but now it is so biased, it's not even remotely closed. When I say news media, that means print. It means television. It means radio as well. And, it, and some would say it, it includes what I do. Social media, let's throw the, that in there as well. Now it's gotten to be so biased that it's not even remotely close to truth. One of the biggest misconceptions I see all the time, I hear all the time, is, oh yeah, well he's a police. They'll never do anything. They won't investigate him. They won't do anything. Uh, they'll never get arrested. That's not true, is it? No, and that's why they would ask us to come in a, as an independent agency uh, to look at those use of force cases, main, mainly the ones that resulted in serious injury and death. Uh, and that was the reason for that, to, to eliminate or at least soften that uh, argument that, oh yeah, they're protecting their own. You see it all the time where uh, the state police are taking over the investigation or so-and-so is taking over the investigation because they have jurisdiction. In Georgia, the agency, let's just say it's a Gwinnett County Sheriff's Department. They they have to request GBI to take over and, and handle this. And it's done for purposes of transparency and to make it to get rid of accusations of favoritism of uh of not doing in-depth investigations am i missing anything no that's true and plus garrity uh ruling falls under that too there, there might be some uh issues with that if you have your own department asking you questions there may be the implication that the officer's thinking well wait a minute am i compelled to answer these questions or am i free to answer these or you know what is you know unless they're advised of those uh rulings and I wanted to clarify something very quickly for, for people who are listening and think, look, as a sergeant in Baltimore, I arrested a police officer. It was not fun. It was not something I wanted to do. It was nothing I ever wanted to do. I took disciplinary action against police officers, one who was still probationary right out of the academy. They were fired. Other ones, they had other issues they had to deal with. That comes with the territory. And the the idea that as reprehensible as we may find it, that somehow we turn a blind eye to any type of indiscretion or corruption is just flat out wrong. Very much so. Totally wrong. Uh, arrested several, many uh, officers myself for various types of crimes, child molestation, for theft, um, all types of crimes that have to be investigated and have to make their arrest. And I know there's really no polite way of saying this, well, I think one of my biggest nightmares was being arrested for something I didn't do. Uh, I was never worried about other stuff because I didn't. I, look, I'm a pretty clean-cut, square-cut 
straight-laced guy. However, the thought of arresting someone who's a police officer or deputy or state trooper, whatever it might be, especially wearing a uniform, is particularly horrifying to me. And it was to us also, to me personally. I uh, wanted to make sure that everything was correct, that I did have the physical evidence um, to support charges when you're making those types of arrests. Well, really, really anybody. I mean, it really didn't matter if there's a police officer or, or any type of citizen. I wanted to make sure that the evidence was there. You brought up a good point. I, I, I'm on my way to work at the radio station today. There were two police talking to someone in the median, and one was off at a distance. And I know exactly what that officer is doing. They're back up, but they're sitting there listening and deciding whether or not there's probable cause. Was a crime committed? Do I arrest this person? People don't take that lightly. Police officers do not take that lightly. And we don't take it lightly with anyone. I'll give you an example. I spend a lot of time in Key West uh, for my radio job. And one of the things I say there is, you've got to be a special kind of ignorant and stupid to get arrested in Key West. Unless it's a, a, a flat-out felony, you have to talk your way into them putting cuffs on you. And quite often, that is what happens. This is the Law Enforcement Today show. We are talking with Douglas Parker. Douglas is retired Georgia Bureau of Investigation investigator, 30 years on the job. He is now one of the movers and shakers for 78tech.com is their website. But they specialize in a product called Thin Blue Defend. You get more information on their website, thinbluedefend.com. When we return, we're going to talk about a couple investigations that might surprise you. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. What is the Haunting or Not podcast? It's a free podcast that takes a different approach to ghost stories, hauntings, and cases of demonic forces. Husband and wife podcast hosts mix comedy, facts, and a healthy dose of police evidence skepticism to help you decide. Are these hauntings or not? Helping you decide what's real and what is fake or an overhyped exaggeration. From world-famous cases to lesser-known reports, they talk about them all in the Haunting or Not podcast, available for free on most podcast platforms. Or do a Google search for Haunting or Not podcast. I have some exciting news to share with you. You are going to love my Your Diet Do-Over Do-It-Yourself course on HarmonyWithFood.com, which means you could do everything at your own pace. I put my heart and soul into this course. Have you been on every diet there is only to gain the weight back? If your relationship with food is, well, not that good, you should purchase the Your Diet Do-Over course. Go over to HarmonyWithFood.com, click the Your Diet Do-Over tab, and get started today. Return our conversation with Douglas Parker and the Law Enforcement Today Show. Douglas is a retired GBI, this Georgia Bureau of Investigation investigator. Did 30 years on the job. He is now one of the primary movers and shakers for 7-8 Tech, and their main product, one of their products is Thin Blue Defend. Get more information at thinbluedefend.com. Investigating police is never easy. It's never fun. It's never something we want to do, but it's, it's part of the job. And sometimes it means officers are fired. Sometimes it means officers are arrested. Sometimes, and most of the time, it means they did the job properly. And even though people don't understand, there should be no charges brought. You've been on both sides of that apple, haven't you? Yes, sir. Both pro- uh, investigating for the district attorney's office and now representing those officers to, 
with attorneys that uh, charged with uh, representing these officers charged with crimes. One of the, for example, and uh, I, I don't want to go into names, but there's a, a, a prominent case in Atlanta where a couple of police officers were arrested for murder. And it was all on video. Everything was obvious that the guy took their taser, fired at him, pointed at him, all that stuff for these deadly force. Everybody knew that they shouldn't have charges brought against them. They did. And as far as I can tell from their attorney and the news, they've both been exonerated. I don't know what's going to happen from there on out. But in my opinion, Doug, it never should have gone that far, ever. True, and I know that the attorney very well who represented one of those officers, and the problem with that case was the DA charged those officers even before the GBI uh, submitted their official report to the district attorney. So uh, the district attorney was, um, I submit to you, is making up his own mind yeah. as to what he wanted to do even before the investigation was complete. And that's politics running foot. And there's people who go, see, I told you they would have gotten off. You had to investigate. And let's talk about one case in particular where it didn't look good. And it turns out as a result of your investigation at GBI, the officer was cleared. Am I correct? Yes, many. Um, because you have to understand when I first started in 83, this was before Graham Connor. So uh, the standard then was just, um, hey, I was in fear for my life. And as long as the evidence matched up with that, that was fine. But yeah, since that time, uh, now working these cases, the, uh, had one in particular where we really didn't know exactly what had happened until we sat down with the officer. It kind of looked bad because of the placement of the gun, wo- uh, the wound uh, in the suspect, you know, what witnesses were saying. And then once they interviewed the officer and getting it from the officer's point of view, then it turned out to be it was a, it was a justified shooting. When you say the placement of the wounds, here's a, a, a chief point of contention I have. And this one also is involving Georgia. I'm not going to say what officers, and it doesn't really matter, but uh, a recent headline said the protester was shot when their hands were raised. And I'm, that's the headline. And I'm sort of thinking to myself, raised in what position? How far? Was it raised as they're firing a gun? Was their hands over their head? And I immediately thought of the Ferguson, Missouri thing with the hands up, don't shoot. It was proven to be a falsehood and a lie over and over and over again, yet people still believe it. To- totally false as to what they were trying to make that that one out to be in Ferguson. True, and unfortunately, that every no, there's no winners in that situation. Everybody, everybody loses. So I want to go back to your case. You're investigating this. You get asked to investigate this, and the initial appearance is that it looks really, really bad, doesn't it? Yeah, again, because of the, the where the entrance wound was, was not, you know, uh, center mass. It was over towards the side, and, you know, you're getting into the idea, well, wait a minute, was the was the suspect had his back to the officer? You know, what was happening? And you don't know until you start uh, talking to other witnesses, pulling all the videos, and then getting the, uh, getting the facts from the officer. Was it a, a compilation and combination of many things that led you to believe this is justified, or was it just a statement of the officer? No, when you put what the officer uh, told us, again, with the evidence, it made a lot of sense then uh, as to you know where the officer was standing, uh, where the suspect was standing, what was being said, you know, the back and forth, the yelling. Uh, but, uh, and again, the video corroborates 
you know, it took some time to get the video also because we're talking, you know, 15 years ago um, to match that video up with witness statements and the officer statements. The reason I bring that up, Douglas, is because I'll revert back to my own experience. The, the officer-involved shootings I was in, and when I was questioned, they asked me how many shots I fired. I couldn't tell you. I, back then, it was a, a six-shot revolver, so that's how long ago it was. I couldn't tell if it was two, three, or four. And we didn't have the benefit of body cam video that we could look at. Uh, so quite often, we'd have to open up the revolver and say, okay, obviously, I fired four rounds because I, I just didn't know. And so many people act as if that's odd when the reality is it's not. Not at all. When you uh, when you had some of the training that I've been through with uh, the human factor, uh, yeah, how the brain operates, how the eyes work, how the hearing, you know, all that exclusion, sensory exclusion. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had the cases where on video it shows, like, the mother yelling four feet over to the right. Well, the officer never heard the mother yelling, you know, because you're so focused in on that suspect who's drawing a gun you can't hear and see other things. So it's, it's perfectly understandable, but the public needs to know those human factors and how that affects what we hear, what we say as to uh, what happened during the incident. I can go back to my own experience, and I, I don't like giving out opinions and speculating. I tell people all the time, they'll say such and such about, first of all, I love police. I really do. But so many of them are so-called tactical experts. And they'll say, well, if I was there, I would have done this. And my response is, you weren't there. So shut your pie hole. You really don't know what you're talking about. But one of the last shootings I was involved in, I was in a two-man car. I was a sergeant. And I had a, a partner with me, another sergeant. We were riding around picking up reports and all that stuff. And when the incident went down, he told me he was – the guy hit me head on, was shooting at me. And kind of buckled my door, Douglas, and I was I was trying to kick the door open. And he tells me he was yelling, don't get out of the car. And I tell people, to this day, I don't, I couldn't understand what he said. It was almost like a TV was on a couple rooms away. I could hear something, but I couldn't tell you what they were saying. It was, it was Charlie Brown's teacher. Yeah, very common experience. I mean, even just, you don't have to be an officer to experience that. Um, that exclusionary uh, from the census. Uh, everybody has it. Yeah, everybody does have it, but unfortunately most people don't believe it, or better yet, a uh, better explanation is they see something well, the headlines said, the newspaper said, the TV news said, so therefore it must be fact. We're talking with Douglas Parker. He is a retired Georgia Bureau of Investigation investigator, 30 years on the job. He is also now one of the movers and shakers for 7-8 Tech, one of their big products is Thin Blue Defend. Their website is thinbluedefend.com. When we return, we're going to talk more about this investigation where officers exonerated and then one that was not so much the case. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The place to be online is our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. You'll get access to unique news articles, editorials, and so much more. That's Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. Are you wondering where you can find more great podcasts? Head to letradioshow.com, click Be Heard, and discover other fantastic podcasts like this one. Also available on our free app, all at letradioshow.com. 
return our conversation with Douglas Parker and the Law Enforcement Today Show. Douglas is a retired GBI, this Georgia Bureau of Investigation investigator. Did 30 years on the job. He is now one of the primary movers and shakers for 7-8 Tech, and their main product, one of their products, is Thin Blue Defend. Get more information at thinbluedefend.com. When you are asked by another agency to investigate, uh, let's say, a deadly use of force by an officer, you you guys go into this. So when I say guys, as men and women, you guys go into this where you're going to be led by the evidence, not by your theories and emotions. Am I correct? Exactly. Uh, and you have to be. It has to be based upon the facts and uh, what you gather in the investigation. Here's what happened. When we were trained very early on, I'll use a street homicide as an example. So you start with the, the, the body, you identify the person, then you start working your way out. What does the evidence show you? You could have suspicions, you could have theories in your mind, and when the evidence shows you that that's not true, let's say, for example, it wasn't the boyfriend, it was a stranger, you followed the evidence. That's how investigations are done. And that's kind of like a bird's eye view. It's the same thing with you all, isn't it? It is. Uh, arriving at the scene, I mean, you're hit with a lot of information uh, from either bystanders, witnesses, first responders, uh, other officers there at the scene. So you're trying to sort out that information as you get it. Before we go on to the next story, You talked about an investigation, there's been many, but one where it looked really, really bad and the officer was exonerated, uh, justified use of force. Was there something in your mind that made you go, okay, now I get this is not what it seems? Uh, Yeah, because again, like you said, you arrive at the scene and you have witnesses uh, telling you certain things. And again, um, we all know that sometimes eyewitness testimony is not the best. And so you're getting, you're receiving that from many different ones. And then you get to the scene, you look at shell casings, uh, you look at, you know, things that are overturned, broken, and then you try to piece all of that together. How, why, how, and why did that happen? And in that case, you know, uh, again, just before I talked to the officer, I had a lot of information that really didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, but then putting it all together is when it uh, finally came to the understanding that it was a justified shooting, but it took it took many hours putting all that information together. And on the other side of the spectrum, you had cases where you went in, you investigated, and turns out the, the cop was wrong. They did things either criminally or they were just so out of line that there's no way to justify it. Uh, there's no other way to put it, is there? Right. I mean, just, um, and one particular, I mean, emotions came into it. Uh, the, the suspect mouthing off and then it resulted in, you know, not a, not a good result. Let's just put it that way. And that happens all the time. That happened all the time. Uh, people tell me, they say, how do you take it when someone calls you names? I'm like, I've been called every name in the book. Uh, as a cop, I was called every. And most of you learn after a while, it just kind of rolls off. You're like water off a duck because it's so commonplace. It's happened so often. If we let our emotions get a hold of us all the time, and don't get me wrong, there were times where I got emotional and my squad member said, hey, get in the car, we got it. And sometimes I had to return a favor and say, look, they weren't on their best game. Uh, But we never let something bad happen. So when a situation got emotional and a a suspect was mouthing off, what what was it alleged that the officer did? It was uh, an assault on the suspect. Um, the suspect was involved in an earlier um, 
shooting of a police officer. Um, and so that was the basis for the anger for the assault. And no one wants to be that guy. We were taught very early on. We didn't want to be the cause of a case being derailed because we let our emotions get away with us uh, from us and, and assaulted someone. Uh, look, there's an old saying, and I, you don't have to comment on this. I can't beat sense into stupid people. And uh, they'll still be stupid, and I'll have banged up knuckles, and I'll probably go to jail. What good did any of that do? It didn't do any good. Uh, yeah, and then, then you're in trouble. Exactly. And I imagine that's what happened with this officer. They wound up being uh, in charged and in trouble. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. Even though the suspect is accused of shooting a police officer earlier. That's correct. The reason I say that, Douglas, and I'm, I'm sure it's not lost on you, people would think that, and Hollywood loves to portray this, a cop gets shot, and all of a sudden, we're kicking in every door. We're doing this. We're violating everybody's rights, and we're going, heads will roll. Everybody's going to suffer until something happens. That's not the reality of the way things are done. And like I said earlier, we're taught early on in the academy, you don't want to be the cause of a case being derailed in court because you lost it. Right, and it's based on the Fourth Amendment. I mean, you're going to be subject to a motion to suppress any evidence that you see, and you don't want it thrown out in that motion. No. No, so even though it's understandable, even though I can say part of me is like, look, I understand why you did what you did, it still doesn't make it right, it still doesn't make it acceptable, and it's still criminal behavior. Right, and that's that's exactly what happens. That officer wound up being arrested? Um, yeah, this was many years ago, but, uh, yeah, there were some charges brought. Do you happen to know what the, the final outcome was? Cause that's, it gets crazy in court. Not exactly. I'd probably have to look back and see exactly <laughs> what happened on that case. Look, it's been I, a while. I gotta tell you this, Douglas, there, there's people say it all the time that there's things I can't unsee. And there's many, many things that pop into my mind when I least expect them and they're not wanted. However, I've gotten really good over the years as I've gotten older at purposely forgetting people's names and faces. I don't want to know. I don't want to remember them. I want I want to live my life as a peaceful old man. My wife and I sitting on the front porch with cups of coffee in a rocking chair waving to people. That's who I want to be. I've gotten really yeah, good at here. getting that. Yeah, it, I'm sitting at the lake. Uh, that's what I want to do. So. Yeah. And so it might seem odd when people say, well, I can't remember the name. Well, how convenient. No, it's done purposely, at least in my case. Yeah, some things you you, you want to forget, uh, but some of the older uh, times back when, I mean, I've been in a car and deputy were chasing somebody and he leans out the window and just starts shooting, trying to shoot the tires out. But that was, you know, that was back in the 80s. Yeah, that was back in, look, you're from Georgia. There was a time when there's a lot of movies about Georgia police. When I was a teenager and had that great big bush hairdo, I didn't dare. I didn't dare go into Georgia from Maryland because it's like I knew I was a long-haired hippie freak and it wouldn't go well. Well, I grew up in a law enforcement family. My father was chief of police uh, back home and uh, everybody knew what I was doing and would tell him. So. Yeah, that's what I was getting at is the media loves to twist something. And even, you know, back then, I believed it because I saw something in a movie. And I realized 
Life's not like that. And you know what made me realize a lot of that is the the, the harsh, I call them harsh realities of working in policing in Baltimore, that so much of what I thought I knew was false. So much of what I have been told by other people I didn't know, for example, the news media, and this is one I love, when people make opinions about someone they've never met, they never had any contact with, has no influence on our life, based solely off the words of someone else who they've never met, never had any in, uh, contact with, and has no impact on their life, hence the news media, that's really... Douglas is a retired Georgia Bureau of Investigations, GBI investigator, more than 30 years on the job. He is now the founder of 7-8 Tech, one of their products, Thin Blue Defend, the website to get more information about that product and service is thinbluedefend.com. When we return, we're going to talk more about life as an investigator during and after and how it motivates him to do what he does today. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. all over social media be sure to like and follow our facebook page law enforcement today radio show we're on twitter follow us at let radio show podcast and on instagram look for let radio show podcast of course don't forget our website let and if you're on the clubhouse drop-in audio chat app be sure to look for me and follow me my name's john the letter J, Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y. You can also search for at L-E-T Radio Show. That's John J. Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y, at L-E-T Radio Show on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. I'm John J. Wiley. Return our conversation with Douglas Parker. Douglas is retired investigator for Georgia Bureau of Investigation, GBI for short. 30 years on the job. He's also founder of 7-8 Tech, one of their products, Thin Blue Defend. Their website, thinbluedefend.com to get more information about that product and or service, which we'll talk about in a moment. Doug, the one thing you would take away from this conversation, say, okay, here's your chance to tell lots of people in the United States the reality of investigating police and police use of force. What's the one thing you would want them to understand they don't seem to get? Hmm. Um, police officers are having to make split-second decisions, uh, usually do you realize an off, somebody can draw a weapon, shoot, turn around in 18 one-hundredths of a second? It takes the brain about 25 one-hundredths of a second to react to that. So these officers out there in these situations, sometimes by themselves, I've always been amazed, uh, deputies, uh, troopers, city police out at 1 o'clock in the morning, one person stopping a carload of people not knowing anything that has always been in my mind that these officers, especially the ones working the roads are having to deal with that and, and making those decisions less than a second. And that has always amazed me how 90% of the time, 95% of the time, these officers are making the right decisions. And that to me is what, uh, the people in the, in, in, this, in the United States need to understand. 
so quick, but yet they're still making those good decisions. And for some reason, we just can't get that through to them. But there's so much, here's a typical situation, a uh, really bad I, I tell people I was in four shootings in 11 years, and that sounds horrible. The first two, I never fought or shot back. They were over with before I knew what happened. Everybody survived. No one got killed. Thank goodness. The last two were long, drawn-out affairs. But even the longest, if it took seven seconds, that was a long period of time. However, they were investigated. We had armchair quarterbacks. We had people speculating for years over these situations that were over with in less than 10 seconds. Right. And when you mentioned the media, now the media is out there driving their narrative from maybe interviewing the suspect's family, you know, just just 10 minutes after it happened. And now that's driving the narrative. And again, like you just said, hours, weeks, months investigating before we have all the true answers. Right. It, it, one of the things that the media loves to do, too, uh, is this is standard in Baltimore, is you could have one of the worst bad guys ever, been arrested 30, 40 times, multiple felonies, multiple convictions, did time, everything else, and they'll show a picture of them when they were a choir boy in eighth grade. Well, they're 30 years old when the incident occurred. Um, they got gang tattoos all over them. And yet, when they show a picture of the police officer, right away, that officer is labeled as it's got some hidden motives. He's a member of some secret organization, he or she. And by the way, I'm sure they've got some hate in them as well. Yeah, I've seen that played out many times. I mean, uh, uh, the case down there in Florida, you know, the private citizen, without mentioning names, you know, yeah, that suspect was, you know, the what was it, a high school picture? Yeah. And the guy's, you know, 10, 10 years past that and looks totally different. And yet they still do it, and people still fall for it. Uh, I, I get yeah. I get why the news media does it. And I want people to realize this. They're not required to tell you facts. And what they'll do is they'll put a really bad headline in there, makes it look like the police did something horrible. And then in the body of the article, it'll say everything exonerates the police, but they know that most people won't read that. Their job is to get attention on their product, whether it be a newspaper, whether it be a TV news, so they can charge more for advertising. That's really what the, the end game is. But yeah, they want us to be honest in our investigation when when we put out information, but yeah, they don't have to put out the correct information. Right, but you and I always have put out the right information. Correct. Yes, sir. And kind of let, let let the chips fall where they may. And I, I, I'd love, I'm not going to cry, poor me, because people say, you know what you signed up for. Well, I thought I knew. I really did. I thought I knew, but I had no idea how violent it was. And I had no idea the amount of trauma that I would endure that was directed at me and that we witnessed as well. But that that's a different story. And to some degree, I'm sure you went through that as well. Even as an investigator, detective, people think, uh, it's either going to be they're there after everything's settled or um, they've got the worst of the worst. How would you paraphrase or describe what you went through? As an investigator, I mean, it, you had to separate yourself. At least I did, um, even just working the homicides with families. But, uh, yeah, you just have to you have to separate yourself and not get emotionally involved with them, uh, with the case, with the with the victims. Um, you, know, you can't can't be involved with the officer. I've uh, got to stay totally neutral, and I just I've done that for thirty years, and uh, until one murder that I worked involving a, a child, yeah, 
uh, got close to the family. But other than that, you got it's, it's got to it's got to stay separate. And here's the, the million dollar question: You don't have to answer if you don't want to. I'm an old married guy, uh, and sometimes my my wife, uh, who I call the boss, uh, gets particularly angry because I won't argue with her. Mine got so upset uh, because I'd never tell her about the cases I was working. Oh, dude, we uh, didn't which, dare talk about it back then. Are you kidding uh, me? Uh, Nowadays they say, when, look, go home and talk to your spouse about it. Oh, no. We didn't do that. No. Kept it all to myself. Though part of it was, and not because of a stoicism or want to be a tough guy or John Wayne or Clint Eastwood or any of that stuff, is because I didn't want my, my wife to worry anymore than she did. Uh, and I also wanted people to have, look, there was a time in my life, the best time of my life, when I thought Santa Claus would be there every year and life would be easy and, and like Hollywood, they all lived happily ever after. I didn't want to know, and I didn't want people to know that sometimes really horrific things happen just right down the street from you, and it's the people you know. Yes, it is. I mean, when you're working in uh, you know, the counties around that I was living, uh, wife would hear about the name wouldn't recognize some of the names. Yeah. And that's, a, that's, yes. that's part of what comes with the territory. Um, at some point after retiring from GBI, uh, there must've been a choice of saying, I'm going to just totally run away from law enforcement or I'm going to keep my thumb on the pulse and I'm going to get involved as a businessman. You apparently chose the latter, didn't you? I did. Um, got involved because, uh, again, working with these, uh, organizations that officers buy into for legal defense and started working with those attorneys on use of force cases and uh, just just found a real need for that officer to be able to pull that information out to tell their attorney exactly what happened. I saw that work in those cases, and that was the impetus for uh, Thin Blue to Thin. And by the way, one of the attorneys I think that you know that I know is Lance LaRusso. We call him the Blue Line Lawyer. And uh, great, great guy, great attorney, does awesome work. But one of the, the things that people don't understand, and I think they really need to understand, is everybody in the United States, even our police, have rights. And they have a right to that information. And they have a right to, to mount a rigorous defense, especially when they're not wrong. Yes, and I've had those cases, exactly. Uh, terminated uh, immediately after the incident and ended up it was a justified shooting. And but what they don't tell you is if you're married and you have kids, when you're terminated, all health insurance ends, all that stuff ends and your family all goes without. And it, it's a horrible your pay, thing. Your paycheck ends and you have no access to your body cam, your vic, your dash cam, any of your training records. And that's what happens in those cases. So you're, you're put out to the side. Tell people a website where they can get more information about Thin Blue Defend. Yeah, just at thinbluedefend.com. Uh, we have a good video on there, about a four-minute video that explains uh, the purpose of the app and being able to document in your defense to assist your attorney for representing you in a use of force. And, right, and now I develop it for shooting cases, but now it's for any use of force, as you well know. You just wrestle somebody to the ground, you better document it. You better document and you better have uh, your ducks in a row, to use an old saying. Douglas Parker, thanks so much for your service and for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate what you do uh, with your with your show. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated 
radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. See ya.